And uh, we're going to be looking here in Deuteronomy 1. We're going to start in verse number 19. I'm going to ask a few questions. We're going to do our best to answer them uh, from the scriptures. And uh, we're going to see just what God's word shows us. And the first part, we're going to be looking at a number of scriptures because I could stand up here and read them to you, but I think it's better for you to look them up and, and see them for yourself because it'll be a help to you in the long term, all right? So Deuteronomy chapter 1, let's begin reading tonight in verse 19. And this is where we're going to start. We're going to break away from it for a little while, and then, and then we're going to come back to it, okay? Uh, and when he departed from Horeb, when we departed from Horeb, we went through all that great and terrible wilderness which he saw by the way of the mountain of the Amorites as the Lord our God commanded us. And we came to Kadesh Barnea. And I said unto you, Ye are come unto the mountain of the Amorites, which the Lord our God doth give unto us. Behold, the Lord thy God has set the land before thee. Go up and possess it, as the Lord God of thy fathers hath said unto thee. Fear not, neither be discouraged. And ye came near unto me, every one of you, and said, We will send men before us, and they shall search us out the land, and bring us word again by what way we must go up, and into what cities we shall come. And the saying pleased me well. And I took twelve men of you, one of a tribe. And they turned and went up into a mountain, and came into the valley of Eshcol, and searched it out. And they took of the fruit of the land in their hands and brought it down unto us and brought us word again and said, It is a good land which the Lord our God doth give us. Notwithstanding, you would not go up, but rebelled against the commandment of the Lord your God. And ye murmured in your tents and said, Because the Lord hated us, he hath brought us forth out of the land of Egypt to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. Whither shall we go up? Our brethren have discouraged our hearts, saying, The people is greater and taller than we. The cities are great and walled up to heaven. And moreover, we have seen the sons of the Anakims there. Then I said unto you, Dread not, neither be afraid of them. The Lord your God, which goeth before you, he shall fight for you, according to all that he did for you in Egypt before your eyes. And in the wilderness where thou hast seen how that the Lord thy God bare thee, as a man doth bear his son, in all the way that you went until you came into this place. Yet in this thing you did not believe the Lord your God. Father, bless the word tonight. I know folks have worked hard this week. I know that they are tired. They're weary. They've, many of them have brought their children tonight so that they can learn the scriptures and fellowship with their friends. And as we come in here this evening in a time of Bible study, I know that this message will help every one of us tonight if we give it our full attention and allow the Holy Spirit to work. And so I'm praying tonight that you would use me to deliver your truth. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So the writer of the book of Deuteronomy is, the, is, is Moses. You'll see at the, at the title of the book of Deuteronomy, because you're right there, it says the fifth book of Moses called Deuteronomy. And he's referring back here to Israel's journey out of Egypt and to the promised land. They've been traveling now for two years. And the whole time, God is, he's been preparing them to get them for the land that he has promised them, okay? It's actually the land that they're fighting over today. They're still fighting over it. And so they're making this journey, and they're right there. And they make a decision to send 12 men to spy out the land, 
and those men come back for with a report. And then one thing I want us to point out this evening in verse number 21, I want you to go back and look at this. He says, Behold, the Lord thy God hath set the land before thee. And he says, Go up and possess it, as the Lord God of thy fathers hath said unto thee. That was a place of peace. It was a blessing to them. Okay? God described it as one that is a land that flowed with milk and honey. It was supposed to be a place that belonged to them. All right? And they were coming out of Egypt, they were away from their land, and they were going back to what God had already promised Abraham. And so they've been making this journey. And as I'm reading that passage, I have to ask myself, what is it that the Lord wants me to possess in this day and time? Okay, I'm not looking for a land. I'm looking for, I'm looking for something far beyond what this world has to offer. All right? It's something spiritual. I'm looking forward to heaven. But what is it that God wants every Christian to possess in this life? Well, I want you to hold your place in Deuteronomy and go with me to Ephesians chapter 4. All right? Ephesians chapter 4, and I want us to look beginning in verse number 18. So we're going from the Old Testament to the New Testament. And this is something that, uh, that God wants every believer to possess. Okay? Every believer to, be, to, to possess. And... and in Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to look at verse number 18, uh, the Bible says, And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking in yourselves psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Now let me say this. When we get saved, we get all there is of the Holy Spirit. But someone is that rightly asked the question, but does the Holy Spirit get all there is of us? That's the question we have to ask. Okay, so when, when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we become a believer, God indwells us with his spirit, okay? He gives us everything that we need in our, in our spiritual life. That has been provided to us by God, and it's in the, it's in the uh, person of the Holy Spirit, all right? So, but he's telling us here in this passage, Paul writes, he says, be filled with the spirit, and I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time there because Pastor Brad Brandon just went into that a couple of weeks ago, in a, very, in a very informative way. And so I'm not going to spend much time there. But when you're filled with the Spirit, you'll see in verse number 19, it affects you as, it affects your own spirit. It says, speaking to yourself psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord. There's something about a person who walks around whistling, right? There's, they, got, they got something. None of us whistle when we're sad. We don't do that. We whistle if you can whistle, we whistle when we're happy or we start singing a song. We got a tune in our head. There's something that is special to us. That's when that, there's a joy in our heart. He goes on, he says in verse 20, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord, uh, Lord Jesus Christ. So when we are filled with the Spirit, then we, are, we have a desire to give thanks. We're not grumbling, but we're thankful. And that, uh, that has a reflection on everything there is of us. And God desires us to have that. So in Ephesians, go back to your left one book, to the book of Galatians, chapter number 5. Okay? Galatians chapter 5. When we are filled with the Spirit, what is it that God wants us to possess today? And that is, uh, God wants us to be filled with His Spirit and allow Him to direct our life. And when that happens, you see the fruit of the Spirit in verse 22, Galatians 5, verse 22. 
he says the fruit of the Spirit, what's the first one? Love, right? Love. Okay? Now, you can immediately, if I tell you to think about this, what does the Bible say about love? All right? Obviously, somebody's going to say God is love, right? Or we're going to thank John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, right? When we think of love, all right? I, I want to think of Matthew, Matthew chapter 22, and I'm going to read this one to you tonight. Jesus said these words, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is likened to it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Now, how many of you will nod your head or say amen if you believe that if we obey those two commandments right there, our life is going to be pretty joyous? We're not, going to be, we're not going to be doubtful. We're not going to be discouraged. We're not going to be down. It's when we get away from those things that our spirit is completely messed up, right? So if, if we're loving God with everything that we are and we're making sure to get our eyes off ourselves and loving our neighbor and loving others, I'm going to tell you something. It will affect our spirit. And so the fruit of the spirit, when we're filled with it, you'll see love within each of us. Now, he says the second one is joy. Joy, all right? And uh, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read John 15. I want you to hold your place here because we're going to go down this list. But I want you to turn to 1 John, not the Gospel of John, but 1 John toward the end of your Bible. 1 John chapter 1, okay? Now while you're doing that, I'm going to tell you what Jesus said as recorded in John 15, the Gospel of John chapter 15 and verse 11. He said, these things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. Right? Now, I'm going to tell you something, Roger. I can get happy when Alabama wins a football game. All right? Even in that happiness, even that happiness, Michael Bell, we can be upset with it. Right? They just didn't do it. They won, but they didn't do very good. Right? It can affect us, right? But if I really want joy, I sure would like to have the joy Jesus had. Right? And he says, these things have I spoken to you that you might have joy. That in me, he says, you might have, that my joy might remain in you and that your joy may be full. That's what you call joyful. Look at John wrote in, in 1 John 1 in verse 3 and 4. All right? He says, that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father. And with his son, Jesus Christ. If we make the center of our relationships and our fellowships and our friendships, if we make that, if we make Jesus Christ the center of it, we can enjoy one another. Right? And then he says in verse 4, And these things write we unto that your joy may be full. Okay? So, so the word of God, Jesus wants us to have joy, and the word of God is written so that we might have joy. All right, go back to Galatians chapter 5. What's the, what's the third one of the fruit of the Spirit? It's what? Peace. Peace. All right? Go to, go to Gospel of John. Go, go back the other way now. Gospel of John chapter 14. Hopefully you'll write these references down. Maybe you'll underline them. But this is what God wants us to possess today. The, the Israelites were led out of bondage. They were led out of captivity. And they were traveling to get to a land of promise that God had given them for them to possess. And you and I, we have escaped the, uh, the bondage and captivity of our sin that, that leads us to an eternal separation of God and hell. 
We've escaped that when we come into Jesus Christ. Okay? And so Jesus wants us to possess these things, that we have love and joy and peace. Look, at, he says in John 14, verse 26 and 27, Jesus is speaking. He says, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I've said unto you. And then he says, peace I leave with you. My peace give I unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Now, I can, I can tell... I can tell Lee I'm sorry, and he might tell me he's sorry, and then the two of us can make peace with one another, right? But we're still sinners, and that peace can be taken away pretty quickly. I want a peace that, can't, that passeth all understanding, that the world can't give. It's something that God gives. And as Paul said in Ephesians 4, 6, 7, you don't have to turn there, but he says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Man, we want God's peace. Go to, go to Colossians chapter 1. In Galatians 5, it says, love, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. The next one is long-suffering. Long-suffering. That's a longanimity. That is a forbearance or fortitude. Okay? He says in, 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 in here in the New Testament, he, he writes in Colossians chapter 1, look with me there in verse, uh, verse number 9. He says, For this cause also... Since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you might walk worthy of the Lord. How many of you want to walk worthy of the Lord? I want my testimony to be pleasing to God unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power and all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness. Joyfulness. All right, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Long-suffering. God wants us to have that. Then he, then he says it's, it's love, joy, peace, long-suffering, and then it's gentleness. Gentleness. Gentleness is a moral excellence in character and demeanor. And the only other time it shows up in the Bible is 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 1 when Paul writes of the meekness and gentleness of Christ. God wants us to possess that. He wants us to have a good demeanor, right? I'm the world's worst at that, Brandon. I get long-faced. I get serious. My mind's on a hundred things. Somebody says, are you okay? What are you mad about? I'm not mad. I'm just thinking, right? I, I want some of that gentleness, I want to have that in my heart where it shows on my demeanor, reflects what Jesus Christ has done for me. So, love, joy, peace, uh, uh, long-suffering, gentleness. Then he says goodness. Go to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Go back there. Goodness is a, is a virtue. All right? Ephesians chapter 5. Look, look at what Jesus has done for you, what he's done for me, and what he gives us in his spirit. 
Ephesians 5, verse 8, he says, For you were sometimes, for you were sometimes in darkness, but now are you one light in the Lord. As uh, walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. So we, ju we just see that. We once in darkness, but, but there's light in us now. There's truth in us. There's hope in all of us. Well, you got love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness. Go to 1 John chapter 5. The next one he mentions is faith. Boy, God wants, it takes faith, it takes faith to get saved, amen? It takes faith, everything, that's our foundation, it's faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And Peter talks about building upon that faith, adding to our faith, and he mentions these different things. I, I want you to see 1 John chapter 5. God, I, I mean, it begins with faith, and God's Spirit indwells us, and we, we turn ourselves over to the Holy Spirit to lead us and to give us these things. God wants that faith to be increasing in our life. And so 1 John 5 and verse 13, this is an important verse. These things have I written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may what? Know you have eternal life. Aren't you glad that the Lord wants us to know we have eternal life? That's an important verse. And then he says, then he adds that extra phrase at the end, and that you may what? And that you may, well, I mean, why does he add it twice? Right? I mean, for us to have eternal life, we must believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Right? But it doesn't stop there. It's a daily thing. It's always progressing. It's always growing. You know what you can do, Roger? It's a, you can believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, that he died on the cross for your sins, and that he saves you. But God wants you to believe him every day of the rest of your life. You can continue to believe him. You can continue to trust him. And you'll see that faith grow. You got faith. You got faith that gets you saved. You got faith that got you out of hell and out of your sins. You got faith for that. Why not have faith that the Lord can walk you through the rest of your life? Trust the Lord each and every day. If he, if you, if he wants you to know you have eternal life, well, then he wants you to know you can trust him every other day. So your faith grows. So you got love, joy, peace, uh, goodness, gentleness, long-suffering, faith. And then he mentions meekness. Go to Galatians chapter 6. Go back to your left now. Galatians 6. Galatians 6, verse number 1. This is number 8. All right? He speaks there of meekness. Well, Moses knew something about meekness. There's no, there's no man is as meek as Moses. But Paul here, he's writing of the fruit of the Spirit. And that's, that's really got to do with our humility. And I'll tell you a good one. He, he writes in Galatians 6 and verse 1. He says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual... Restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. Well, how do you do that? Considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Someone said, but for the grace of God, there go I. Right? That could have been me. Right? So I'm not going to keep that guy down. I'm going to help him up. I'm not going to make fun of him. I'm not going to laugh at him. I'm going to help him back up. Those who are spiritual in the spirit of meekness, humility, realizing that could be you, and tomorrow it might just be you. If a man's overtaken a fault, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. And then he mentions, then he mentions, I want you to go to Proverbs 25, just head back to the Old Testament. We're going back to Deuteronomy now. He speaks of temperance. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, uh, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance, and that's, that's self-control. And in Proverbs 25 and verse 28, we see, we see some wisdom there. He that hath no rule over his own spirit, 
is like a city that is broken down and without walls. Man, you got to be able to control yourself a little bit. You and I, we have a hard time with that. We have a hard time with that, but if God helps us, we let God fill us with his spirit and lead us, we can handle that, amen? How do you fight temptation? Get filled with the Holy Spirit. Get filled with God, all right? How do you, how do you stay away from things? Let God have all there is of you and you can stay away from it, all right? Otherwise, you can't control your spirit. You can't control yourself. You can't control your flesh. God wants us to possess that in this life in which we live today, all right? But even, even then, none of us are perfect, and we're prone to wander, and we're easy to get discouraged. Can I get an amen? We're, we're prone. I don't care how spiritual you are. Everybody at some point gets their head down and their chins dragging and hitting their knees, okay? So go back to Deuteronomy chapter 1, and let's look in our text in verse 21. I, I, I'm, I'm speaking fast tonight because i got a lot I want to say. This will help you. This will help you. It helped me. All right? And the Lord just led me here tonight, and it was a tremendous help to me today. It'll help you if you want it to. Amen. All right, not enough amens. Okay, we'll keep going. Why do you think, I'll ask this question, in verse 21, at the end of the verse, why do you think Moses used the phrase, fear not, neither be discouraged? Read verse 21 again. He says, Behold, the Lord thy God has set the land before thee. Go up and possess it as the Lord God of thy fathers has said unto thee. And then he adds the words, Fear not, neither be discouraged. Go get the land God's already given you. And then he says, And don't get discouraged. Well, if God's already given it to me, why can't I just go excitedly? He adds that because we're prone to get discouraged. We're prone. Something that's there. It's easy, it's easy to get discouraged. Look in, uh, look in verse 38 of this chapter. This is something that I just noticed. Um, Joshua is going to be the next leader of Israel. And Moses writes in verse 38, But Joshua the son of Nun, which standeth before thee, he shall go in thither. What's it say to do? Encourage him. Wow. He's going to need some encouragement. For you shall cause Israel to inherit it. Look in chapter 3. Chapter 3, look in verse 28. Moses is here and he's talking about he's pleading with God to let God allow him to go over in the promised land. He's wanting to go beyond Jordan and God just gets upset with him. He just tells him, you just quit asking me. You're not doing it. He, he, tells him, he tells him to get in the top of Pisgah and lift his eyes westward and northward and southward and eastward. And He says, behold it with thine eyes, because you're not going to go over there. You can see it, but you're not going to reach it. But in, then the Lord tells him in verse 28, but charge Joshua and encourage him and strengthen him, for he shall go over before his people, and he shall cause them to inherit the land which thou shalt see. The Lord is saying, he is going to go over, and he's going to help the people to get what I am giving them, to inherit the land. But in the process, he's saying, but you need to encourage him. Because all of us need some encouragement sometimes. And we know this, when you get over to Joshua, and the Lord's speaking to Joshua, three times he says, be strong and of what? 
Good courage. Be strong and very courageous. And then verse 9, Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage, neither be afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is what? With thee, it, whithersoever thou goest. It's all through there. And then you get to the end of chapter 1, and the people said, whatever, whatever you say, we're, we, just, we just want to encourage you. All of us need encouragement sometimes. We all need it. All right? So let's understand it. Let's recognize it. But, but we got all the promises of God. You got all the promises of God. Nobody should have their head down. Well, you're, I guess you live in heaven because I don't. Right? We all face it. Okay? Now, let me ask you this. How, how do we become discouraged? How, would it be, how do we become discouraged? Well, here's four things, quickly, of how we become discouraged. One of them is fatigue. Fatigue. You know as well as I do, when you're tired, you don't feel like whistling no more. Right? You get worn out. The Israelites had been traveling for two years. And they have experienced numerous highs as well as numerous lows. And every time they got to a low point, what did they always do, Art? They always said, why did God bring us here? Why didn't God just leave us back in Egypt where we had all these blessings? You, weren't, you didn't have no blessings. Nobody had a blessing when their head was in a toilet vomiting because they had the wrong spirit. Amen? That's not good times. Those are not the good old days. You forget what it's like. There's a reason why you got saved. Right? But life and the trials and the burdens and the ups and downs and the hard work and all of that stuff begins to wear on you and it begins to build up on you and you get tired and you get weary. And the whole time you may be doing the best that you... You may be involved in the best things, but we all get tired. And when we get tired, we start thinking, woe is me. And when I start thinking, woe is me, I begin to get discouraged. Amen. Fatigue will do it to you. I think about this. Frustration will do it to you. You ever get frustrated? Become weighted down? Weighted down. I mean, there were times where those Israelites, when they were traveling, they're like, you know, why are we without water? We ain't had water in days. And God just says, take that rod and hit that rock with it. There goes the water. And he'll let them go a few more days, and now they're without water again. And they find some water, and they drink this water, and it's bitter, awful. I don't know if you ever had any water like that, but you get to building houses and you dig some wells, you can get some bad water. Bad. I mean, run you out, run you out, it's so bad. Stinks, smells, awful. Well, all that bad water. The Lord tells them how to make that water sweet and it's some of the best water they ever drank. And you see God do that. And we've all seen God do miraculous things and wonderful things. Things that we give praise to him for. You get on Facebook and say, man, God sure is good. And you hit sin and you say, man, my life sucks. My life stinks. That's the truth. That's what we do. Right, And so he's there and he's, he's, you get frustrated sometimes. And when you get frustrated, you might get frustrated with people. You might get frustrated with what you're doing. You might think, well, I should be seeing results with this. Why am I not seeing results? I ought to be seeing something happen. And you get frustrated and you just throw your hands up and say, it ain't no use. Why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? I'm just frustrated. 
You had, you had fatigue in there, and you're going to get discouraged. Well, I'll give you another one. Fear. Fear will do it. Amen. Go back to Deuteronomy chapter 1. Fear will discourage you. When you get afraid, when Peter took his eyes off Jesus, he began to sink, didn't he? Anytime, anytime you read in the Bible where somebody got afraid, they got discouraged. I mean, Elijah called fire down from heaven. And people got right with the Lord, and here comes Jezebel and said, I'm going to have your head. And he ends up in a juniper tree praying for God to take his life. Fear. Fear will get us. We get scared of different things, and we can get scared of the situations, and it'll take us, look in verse 25, Deuteronomy 1. And they took of the fruit of the land in their hands and brought it down unto us and brought us word again and said, It is a good land which the Lord our God doth give us. Praise the Lord. What a testimony. But don't end there, not, notwithstanding, verse 26, you would, not, you would not go up but rebelled against the commandment of the Lord your God and you murmured in your tents and said, Because the Lord hates us, he hath brought us forth out of the land of Egypt to deliver us in the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. Whither shall we go up? Our brethren have discouraged our heart. Why did they get discouraged? Because people were afraid. People got afraid. Well... Fear will do it. If you feel as if you're getting a lot of negative stuff coming at you at the same time, it may be that you're, that you're flying right over the right target because Satan will certainly come against you. Right? So we'll begin to doubt. We'll get discouraged. We'll begin to doubt, and we lose our faith. Well, one more is failure. Failure, 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 discouragement feel written off. Someone said it's terrible enough when your enemies say it can't be done, but when your friends say it can't be done, that's ten times worse. Doesn't need friends like that, amen? When people you trust constantly remind you of why you can't or what you can't do because, of, because you have so very little to bring to the table, you hear that enough, you begin to believe it. And it doesn't have to be somebody else. Sometimes, gentlemen... You can't get it out of your own head. And you look at yourself and you look at your faults and mistakes and you feel like such a failure and you think, I can never get over this. We begin to get discouraged and then we start doubting. And God wants us to possess faith. Well, go to verse 32. Well, let's look at where discouragement can lead us in verse 32. He says, yet in this thing you did not what? Believe in what? You think that's where God wants us to be? That's not where God wants us to be. You think God wants us to be at a place where... Did they know God? Yes, they knew God. They knew who God was. They knew God was real. They saw, they saw miracles. Lots of them. One after the other. But now they're at a place because they're discouraged that they don't believe God. I didn't say believe in God, they just don't believe God. That's where discouragement can lead you. Watch. Watch. Discouragement will cause us to become more influenced by our doubts 
rather than our faith. It'll cause us to become more influenced by our doubts rather than our faith. Look, at, look back at verse 26. Watch, watch how this builds up. Rather than have confidence in the word of God, we rebel against it. R read it with me. Notwithstanding, it's a good land in verse 25. Notwithstanding, you would not go up but rebelled against the commandment of the Lord your God. We're not in a good place when we lose confidence in the word of God. Don't, then those promises that we know and we have memorized and we have prayed at times, we get to a place where we just don't care. And we're getting into a dark, discouraging place, troubling place. Then you see in verse 27, we begin to murmur amongst one another. He says, and you murmured in your tents. Begin to murmur. You know how that is. A little quiet here, a little quiet there. Misery loves company. So I'm going to find somebody who's as miserable as me, and we're going to be miserable together. I can promise you, you're not going to pull your, one another up. But we're going to find that person. And we're going to murmur amongst ourselves. And we're going to be upset with God. And they're going to be upset with Moses. They're going to be upset with themselves. Why did we even do this? Start murmuring. That's never a good place. Murmuring's never a good place to be. But, but it's okay with them. Why? Because, they, because of their lack of faith in God, because they've become discouraged, they already have gone away from what the Word of God says. And where else are they going to turn? They're just going to find somebody to make them feel better about themselves. So they're going to murmur and complain amongst one another. It always happens like that. Right? Always happens. Sometimes we murmur to ourselves. We start talking to ourselves and we start, we start having conversations in our head that we think is going to happen and never happen. I know I'm not the only one. You start having those thoughts and you're murmuring amongst yourself. Talking under your breath, you're complaining, start getting upset, then look what happens. We develop a false interpretation of God's feelings toward us. He says, and you murmured in your tents and said, because the Lord hated us, he hath brought us forth out of this land of Egypt to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. God just don't love me. God hates me. And what happened to John 3, 16? God just don't love me. Are you saved or not? Well, then God must have loved you. Right? But I feel that way sometimes. God ain't listening. God's not hearing my prayer. I get frustrated. I begin to get discouraging and I become doubtful and I begin to think God just don't even God just don't even care right now and man it's tough that's where they were that's where discouragement will lead us now I'm gonna come back here okay but I want you to see when it actually took place in Numbers 13 which is the book to your left Genesis Exodus Leviticus, Numbers Deuteronomy And I want us to look at how we overcome discouragement. In Numbers 13, 12 heads of families were sent to spy out the land. Now in Deuteronomy it says that they came to Moses and said, 
hey, we'd like to send out 12 people. In Numbers 13, it says God told Moses to do that. So evidently God was okay with it, and he sent them out. And 12 heads of families, 12 men of the tribes of 12 tribes of Israel, one for each tribe, they were sent to spy out the land. They, they spent 40 days in that land. And can I say they all tasted the same fruit. They all walked the same land together. They saw the same blessings and they saw the same dangers. Nobody is looking at things differently. They all see things. They're all looking at the same things. But ten men looked at themselves and their opposition and with doubt flooding their hearts, look what they say in Numbers 13, verse 31. But the men that went up with him said, We be not able. That's where it is. We are not able to go up against this people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land, which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof, and all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. And there we saw the giants, the son of Anak, which came of the giants, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight." They looked at themselves, they looked at the opposition, and then they looked at themselves, and with doubt, they said, we just can't do it. We just can't do it. How many times have we quit on something because we said in our, in our heads, we can't do it, I can't do it, I just can't do it. That's the first words of a quitter. Amen. I can't do it. So I'm going to quit. It's easy, I can quit. It's easier for me to quit than fight. Right? Mm, just keep fighting, man. Keep, 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 keep walking with the Lord. But that's what they looked at themselves. Their, their flesh is weak. They look at the opposition. It's too big. It's more than we can handle. And so they would rather doubt. And what they did is they went back and they discouraged everybody else. Everybody else listened to them. They get to murmuring amongst one another. They, they began to rebel against the commandments of the word of God. They began to have a false interpretation of how God felt toward them and what God wanted to do with them. And they said, we, we can't do it. But on the other hand, the other two, Joshua and Caleb, look what they said in verse 30. Look what Caleb said. Caleb stilled the people. He calmed them down before Moses. And he said... Let's go up at once and possess it. Let's go. Why? Because we are well able to do it. We are well able to overcome it. Now that's the guy that's got faith. Right? Now, now here's a question. Does he got faith in himself? Is that why? He don't have faith in himself. You don't know, be careful putting confidence in yourself. Put your confidence in the Lord. Look at, look at chapter 14. Chapter 14, look at verse 8. It, was, it wasn't because they were, it wasn't because Joshua and Caleb were bigger or smarter or stronger than their friends. They're looking at the same thing that their friends saw. Except they have confidence because of their faith. Look at chapter 14, verse 8. Joshua says, If the Lord delight in us, then he, he will bring us into this hand and give it us. 
a land which floweth with milk and honey. Only rebel not ye against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of Israel, for they are bred for us, their defense is departed from them, and the Lord is with us, fear them not. What they learn later on, what Joshua finds out, what the other spies find out, you remember they go, they, the spies and Joshua go over there, and they run into Rahab, and what did Rahab said? When we heard what your God was doing when you was, in, when you was coming this way, our hearts melted within us. We were terrified of you. Be careful of those conversations we have in our head. Go back to Deuteronomy 1. Got to wrap up. Deuteronomy 1. Look here in verse 31. Deuteronomy 1, verse 31. And in the wilderness where thou hast seen how that the Lord thy God bare thee as a man doth bear his son in all the way that you went until you came into this place. In verse 33, who went in the way before you to search you out a place to pitch your tents in. And God did that for them. You see that? He found a way for you to put, pitch your tent. He, he gave you fire by night so you knew how to, how to go, where to go you could see to go, to show you by what way you should go, and in a cloud by day. God did all that for you, and yet in verse 32, you choose not to believe him? If discouraged our faith, your faith will return when you remember how the Lord got you here. Can I say it again? If discouraged, if you'll go back and remember how the Lord got you here, your faith will return. Amen. Get, get your mind, get, may we get our minds off our circumstances. May we get our minds off the things that cause us to be fatigued and frustrated and afraid. May we get our minds off all of those things and just remember God does love us. God's been with us to this point. God's going to see us through it all. Right? Now, here's the last one. We will not overcome our discouragement by telling God what, what we're going to do about it. Amen. You don't tell God how you're going to fix it. Right? Because you're the one that got yourself there to begin with. So the only way to do it is I got I to gotta get back to the Lord. Now, now, what they try to do is they realize they messed up, but now they're going to tell God how to fix it. And God ain't going to have nothing to do with that. So let's finish up tonight by reading the rest of the chapter, just, just nine verses, ten verses. Right, just read it carefully with me and watch how this happens. Let's start verse 37. Now Moses is saying that the Lord was angry with him for your sakes, saying thou also shall not go in thither, all right? And he's telling the Israelites, Caleb is going to go, Joshua is going to go. But the Lord is pretty upset with them over their lack of faith and their unwillingness to obey his word. He's pretty upset with them and he just tells them, listen, I brought you here. If you're not going to believe me, I'm not going to give you the blessings. 
God's given us everything we need to have love and joy and peace and goodness and gentleness and faith. He's given us everything we need. And if we choose not to get it, it's our own fault. Right? And you're not going to do it any other way. You're not going to say, God, I'm going to get it by doing it this way. You're not going to do it. It's going to have to be the Lord's way. And so the Lord's upset with them, and he just tells them, listen, I've had it. They're not going to get in. They are not going to get in. He says, Caleb and Joshua, I'll let them in because of their great faith. And all the children that don't know any better, all the young ones, I'm going to let them get in. But all of you that doubt, and all of you that have turned against me and have murmured and complained, no matter what I've done for you, it's what God, what I've done for you and all the things, if that's what you want, you can wander until they put you in the ground. So, let's read it. He says, he says save Caleb in verse 36, verse 38. He says, but Joshua, the son of Nun, which standeth before thee, he shall go in. Thither, encourage him, for he shall cause Israel to inherit it. Verse 39, moreover, your little ones, which you should, which you said should be a prey, and your children, which in the, the, you know, the ones you were scared of because they're going to die, because you, if you went in the wilderness, they're going to die. If you went to the promised land, he says, No, they're going to make it. He says, Your children, in which that day had no knowledge between good and evil, they shall go in thither, and unto them I will give it, and they shall possess it. And that's who goes in over in Joshua. He says, but as for you, verse 40, turn you and take your journey into the wilderness by the way of the Red Sea. Then ye answered, this is, he's, he's reflecting back, and he says, and this is your response to me. You said unto me, we have sinned against the Lord. We will, we will go up and fight according to all that the Lord God had commanded us. And when ye had girded on every man his weapons of war, you were ready to go up into the hill. Now you're going to do it. And the Lord said unto me, saying to them, go not up, neither fight. For I am not among you, lest ye be smitten before your enemies. That's what the Lord said, don't do it. He says, so I spake in you, I told you what God said, and you would not hear, but again, you rebelled against the commandment of the Lord and went presumptuously up into the hill. Picture it like this. God says do it, and you say, nope, not going to do it. And God says don't do it, and you say, you just get there as quick as you can. How'd y'all like that running? You get there as fast. God says, do it. And we stubbornly say, no, I'm not going to do it. And God says, don't. And there we go running as fast as we can. And presumption, there they go. They go running up that hill. They don't care. They don't care. It doesn't matter to them if God says, I'm not going to be with you. I told you don't do it. They're going to do it because they want to make themselves feel better. So, he says, verse 44, And the Amorites which dwelt in that mountain came out against you, and chase you as bees do. How about that? Can you, can you see them running and just flailing their arms and everything? Imagine if bees chased you. And they destroyed you and Seir, even in the Horma. And you returned and wept before the Lord, but the Lord would not hearken to your voice, nor give ear unto you. Why? Because you refuse to believe the Lord and obey his word. Isn't that something? Now, can I, can I close saying this? Well, it says you abode in Kadesh many days according to the days that you abode there. Let me, let me just say this in closing. How did they get there? 
They could not get their eyes off themselves. Okay? They saw everything that Joshua and Caleb, guys with faith, they saw the exact same things. And Joshua and Caleb says, I believe we can do this. Now, I don't believe I can do it, but I believe if God's with me, we can do it. All right? I, I don't have it in me. That guy is too big for me. But David said, I'm not coming in my name. I'm coming in the name of the Lord. And down goes Goliath. So it is too, it's too big for me. And the walls, I can't scale those walls. But I believe if I trust the Lord, I believe he can make those walls come down. As he did at Jericho. Right? What the trouble is, is we, we, see, the, we see the same thing but we become afraid. And we look at ourselves and we say, we can't do it, it's going to eat us up, it's going to kill us, and we, we take God completely out of it. And it don't matter that God told us to do this and we have to obey. That don't matter to us. What matters to us is how I feel about it. And how I feel about it is I can't do that. If I do that, I'm going to die. And I become doubtful. And when I become doubtful, I get discouraged. And when I get discouraged, I start murmuring with everybody else. And what do they do? They get discouraged. And they haven't even seen what I saw. They hadn't even been told what I was told. But now they're discouraged. And they all say, we can't do it. We're not going to do it. Right? We ain't going to do it. And you got two guys over there saying, listen, if God's with us, we can conquer everything. Let's go. Let's do it. I believe God can. I believe God can. And God kept his hand on those two men. But everywhere else, just, they struggled all the time. Right? Let's, let's, let's remember this. We're not racing to a land of promise. God wants us to be filled with himself. And we can't be filled with, our, with, with, with the Lord. We can't be filled with the Holy Spirit if our eyes are on ourselves and the things of this world. You can't do it because we're filling ourselves up with the wrong things. Can't do it. And therefore, when that happens, you lose your love, you lose your, you lose your joy, you lose your peace, and life becomes hard. Right? Get it, get it on the Lord. All right. Let's bow our heads. We'll pray. It's 8.10. Father, you're a mighty big God. You're a mighty good God. And I, I don't know why you put up with us, and I sure don't know why you put up with me.